Pulse Audio Podcast Network. Spooky season was a really special episode that was amazing. I am still in blown shock, yeah. away. Like I, I was telling my dad the other day, I was like, Dad, you'd be really proud of me. I interviewed Broadway producers, and he was kind of like, Oh, that's nice. Like I don't. I'm like, No, Dad. Like I like really Emmy did. Nominated or Tony <laughs> nominated Broadway producer. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it was. He was like, I don't know. My dad is very supportive of the podcast. But I think he was a little tired, so he was just kind of like, "Oh, that's nice, dear. You, you, you podcast stuff, whatever." And I was like, "No, Dad, really? Like, it was you amazing." You don't understand. Yeah. So I and I keep telling, like, I actually shared it on my personal Facebook. I, did I don't too. usually share uh, podcast stuff on my Facebook because I'm like, no one actually gives a shit about what I post on Facebook unless it's pictures of my dogs. Uh, but I, I'm like, I'm really proud, like. This is a bucket list item I didn't know I needed, but now I get to add it and immediately cross it off. And Jennifer and Abigail were so amazing. They were so nice. They, I feel like they were having like, I feel like they were having fun the way we were having fun. I was kind of worried. I was like, oh, New York Broadway producers, they're going to be like really stuffy and look down their noses at us because we're, you know, these amateur idiots. And they were like, oh my God, thank you so much. And we're like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I love you. Yep. Yeah. I I didn't make it into the recording, but before we started, I was like, oh, we're, uh, we're like excited, but also deeply intimidated and anxious. A little terrified. <laughs> yeah, a little horrified. Um, I might poop my pants right now. It's fine. You won't know. You're not it'll, here. It'll be out of fear and excitement, though, so it's fine. But yeah, that was, I'm still like riding real high off of that. That's amazing. And we've got some like other books and stuff we're reading and some collaborations and some interviews that we're planning and working on. And so this this is going to keep yeah. going. Oh my God, what? <laughs> We got a lot coming up, guys. Yeah, and speaking of which, uh, we have a little hashtag Lady Boss Corner. Uh, we have two points of business. So the first one, we need to shout out the Bad Women Podcast. Mm-hmm. Now, if you are an eagle-eared listener, you have heard our promo for them in the last few episodes, and you will hear it again in this episode because 
one, I'm really proud of it. I think we fucking killed that promo. But two, like I can't speak highly enough about this podcast and Hallie Rubenhold. So Hallie Rubenhold, the author of five, or excuse me, the five, two seconds in, already fucking up. She has a new podcast called Bad Women where she explores the lives of Jack the Ripper's five canonical victims. So Hallie is challenging age-old myths surrounding these women, their lives, their world, and the circumstances that put them in the path of a killer. Dun-dun. You've probably heard our promo, obviously. Um, But, like, we cannot speak highly enough. We cannot shout this out enough. Also, her book, The Five, I... Amazing. I listened to it on uh, Audible while I was painting my upstairs bedroom. I got through that book so quickly, and I'm like, no, I'm not done, though. (laughs) Yeah, I've I've been reading it on my um, Kindle, my Kindle Paperwhite at night, and, yeah, like, I'm like... You know, my husband will come to bed and I'll be like, good night. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just going to finish this chapter. And then it's like two in the morning and I'm like, I need to sleep. It's so good because every, every part covers the lives of one of the women. And something I think is really interesting is she doesn't really go into the murders themselves. Like, obviously there was the coroner's inquest after each victim was found and they're trying to piece together like each victim's last movements before they were killed and this and that. But she doesn't go into like, and they were stabbed six, he ran into my knife eight times, you know? (laughs) But because it's about their lives. It's about who they were. And, you know, it's like, it's making the victims human. Yeah, it's giving them back their voices. And there are so many misconceptions and like, I, I love true crime. I've heard the story of Jack the Ripper a billion different times, a billion different ways. But listening to this book, I was like, oh my God, I had everything so wrong. And if you're into women's history, true crime, or just want some po- spooky cocktail comp- po- Poopy? Pooky, spooky cocktail conversation material. This podcast is for you. The first three episodes are already out. And if you think you know the story of Jack the Ripper, if you think you know his victims, then this podcast is for you because I assure you, you fucking don't. Right. Like, oh my God, seriously. First of all, read The Five by Hallie Rubenhold. Go listen to her podcast and just like support the hell out of her because she's amazing. She really is. Like, I'm... So glad that we got a chance to like do this and like shout like you know yeah I don't she, know what I'm trying to say I'm just bumbling over well, here well well like uh her 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 people because Hallie has people she's like a proper historian okay <laughs> like she's not like us where we're just like Wikipedia and like they reached out to us and we're like hey would you be willing to do like a promo and we're like. Yes, actually, we probably would have done that regardless. Now we're just doing it sooner. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm just I'm just tickled to bits and seriously cannot speak highly enough of it. Also, second piece of business. Yay business. We were on another podcast. You've probably heard us talk about historical AF before because we've been on them now three times. Because mm-hmm. we've talked about pirate women, pirate lesbians. We've talked about Mercy Dogs, and now we were talking about the Pied Piper of Hamlin. So well, we've had Keena on here, haven't we? No. Oh. She's never been on our podcast we yet. Keena on here. I know, we do. We're, we're bad. We're really bad at organizing this stuff. Like, people will be like, hey, you want to come over and do this? And we're like, hell yeah. But, like, as far as us initiating stuff, we're really... <laughs> I can barely handle three months later. I can barely handle the shit on my own plate. But Kina is amazing as always. And so 
This month's theme is nursery rhymes. So she goes into like the origins of nursery rhymes and like some of your favorite ones. We talk about pulling hair out of a dog's butt. We talk about a dirty nursery rhyme that Kelly didn't understand for five years. Uh, I was young. This wasn't recent. Yeah, no, no, no. We, we we talk a lot. And then Kelly and I go into the, the Pied Piper of Hamlin and the true events that probably inspired it. So pagans! The, pagans, yes. It's always pagans, you guys. <laughs> it's not aliens. Yeah. Never aliens, always pagans. And we, we had so much fun. I actually listened to the episode and it had been so long since we recorded it, since it came out, that I kind of forgot what happened. And so I was laughing. I was like, oh my God, like we're actually fun to listen to. Even though our listeners tell us that and people have us on their podcast, I'm always like, yeah, but like, are we actually funny? Apparently we are. Right? Like, or are we those people that are like, funny but they're laughing at us not with us yeah it's like the room like we are the room of podcasts like oh my god look at them trying so hard and failing so deeply (laughs) but yeah seriously go check out the latest episode of historical af and then listen to all their other episodes after that yeah i honestly just like look us up and you'll probably find the episodes we were on but yeah like look us up in uh pirates or no the ocean is when we cover the pirates because Kina does a theme every month and then every episode has stories based around that theme. So we were on ocean month. We were on dog month. Yep. And now we're on nursery rhyme month. So yeah, it's kind of fun to like, I mean, for the first episode we went historical, but for all the others, we've gone way outside the realm of history and it's kind of fun to like, so if you want to hear our historical legs, something slightly different. Yeah. You know, rats, child abductors, and uh, pagans. Lots of pagans. All the pagans. Yep. All right. Well, that is all I have for hashtag Lady Boss Quarter. Quarter or corner? Corner. Okay. I heard heard quarter and I was like, what? Sorry. Hashtag Lady Boss is around the tea table. Yes. That's even better. I like it. Because that is what we do every week. We gather around the tea table and whine about women. We do. Well... It's really just a desk. No, I'm calling it the tea table. It's like the war room. This is the tea table. <laughs> the tea table. Yeah. All right. So we do have a say their name and their, her name is Amanda. She'll know who she is. I'm not going to out her with her last name. And her middle name because we have access to all of that. Oh, we also that. have her birth certificate on file. <laughs> Blood sample. <laughs> it's in the mail. Um, so she wrote to us, hey, ladies. So first off, I love your podcast, and I have been binging it recently. Aw. Love you. You're both amazing, and I love, love, love the amazing women you cover. So she, I'm currently on episode 39, and Kelly is covering Mrs. Claus. And I absolutely have to tell you, my Sunday school teacher at church was named Mary Cl- Christmas. Not kidding. 1,000% real. Her name was Mary Christmas, M-A-R-Y, for those, you know. For those who aren't reading this along exactly. on their phones. <laughs> when I was really little, I was convinced she was Santa's wife, and I spent so much time trying to trick her into admitting it. Spoiler, she never broke. She taught my brother and I from three years old until 16. She was a lifelong educator and was kind every single moment of her life, no matter what. She never had any children of her own, but she was an Aunt Mary to every child that she had the pleasure of meeting. Anyway, I thought you'd... I thought you'd find it delightful to know that there really is a Merry Christmas in the world. I've met her and she is the epitome of Christmas joy, love, and kindness. So, first of all, 
because that was like what episode 34 or something 39 39 I only know that because she says it (laughs) yeah so this is episode 121 so for anyone who doesn't remember Kelly covered like the concept of Mrs. Claus and how a Mrs. Claus has no name our first December it was it was within our first year of doing this it was our first Christmas episode I did Zikala Shaw and you did Mrs. Claus and I was like oh my god you're genius yeah like they people have like said that there might be a first name and I think Mary was one of the ones that yeah. came up but technically canonically she, there yeah. is she has never had a first name it's just Mrs. Claus yeah and bullshit also I'm just gonna say right now I think Merry Christmas the Sunday school teacher is Mrs. Claus I think she is too she didn't break because she's like kids have been trying this for 200 years right. and she just moves around like yeah so like when it, when it gets to the point where people would get suspicious, she just leaves that Sunday school and goes to a different one. Yeah, no, absolutely. So like just Amanda, Mrs. Mary Christmas Claus yep. was your Sunday school teacher. I'm 100% convinced. Also, her parents knew what the hell they were doing. Oh, 100%. Ama- we always talk about on this podcast how like parents missed out on the best naming opportunities. Although, what if she married into that name? Oh. At that point, good on her. Like, dude, she then she is the architect like, of her own legend. Well, at that point, she like, <laughs> I just imagine she like met someone. And she's like, I'm marrying you, no matter what happens. Well, that's kind of like how I'm still a little disappointed you didn't marry that dude named Kelly. Even though I never met him, I, I don't know. I anything never of, met him. Oh, that's right. But I don't know anything about him. But I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> If I met a dude named Emily, I would marry the hell out. Jared, sorry. I mean, we can still have sex, but I'm marrying this dude. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, that's funny. But like Amanda, first of all, thank you so much for all the like love. And also- We love you too. I didn't know we were bingeable. I thought we were bearing like small doses. (laughs) And she has so much insanity to like get through. (laughs) She's still in the early days. I know. Oh my God. I think hopefully we've improved over time and not like gone downhill. I know. I know. I hope it's not going to be like, oh, they really jumped the shark in like a year and a half in and now they're garbage. (laughs) Jumped the shark. Yeah. Have you never? It's um, so on, I think it's happy days. The Fonz by played by Henry Winkler. Yeah. I'm going to get sued now. (laughs) He literally jumps a shark on water skis and it was such an absurd and kind of like uh, not on brand stunt for the show. Yeah. Where, and it was, it was one of those things where it's like, nothing can be crazier than this. Like we literally had this dude jump a shark. Nothing else we can ever do is going to be a shocking or be able to compete. So now the term jumping the shark is like when a show is peaked, like, oh, they can't do anything better than that. They can't do anything crazier. And there is no real coming back from that because you've like pushed the bar even higher at least for insanity, like for better or for worse, you've put that bar somewhere that you will never be able to reach again without descending it's the into frisbee madness. In the tree, kind of. That's funny. Yeah, and then I uh, I had to tell Jared about uh, I think it's cousin Oliver syndrome, which is another like TV ism. So cousin Oliver was on the Brady Bunch for a short period of time when the youngest daughter Cindy got too old to like be all like cutesy little, you know taught and so they brought this little kid on to replace her 
Mm-hmm. And everyone hated him because he was such a pain in the ass. Yeah, it literally says the term Cousin Oliver Syndrome has been used to refer to a cute child actor being added to the cast of a long-running show in hopes of boosting ratings or to replace a child cast member who has since grown up, usually with disastrous results. Yeah, so we're watching Married with Children right now, and they introduce the character Seven, which is this just this little boy that they acquire, and he kind of sucks but also he's like three years old I don't expect him to be good but it's it's cousin Oliver I think the only time it's been good is when Raven Simone was on the Cosby show but that whole show we buried that and it is not coming back up (laughs) it can't it's too deep okay moving on so we're gonna move on to our wine now because we haven't even talked about that so today in honor of spooky season we're drinking naughty girl although it kind of looks like a stripper like in the uh, yeah. How can you tell? Because it's like her arms and then the rest of her silhouette it is her gorgeous like, hair. Yeah. It looks like she's like running her hands through the back of her hair. Yeah. With her elbows up. See, I'm doing that right now and I'm not a stripper. I mean, tonight at eight o'clock, who right. knows? But right now I'm not. So this is a Von Steel sweet red with fresh raspberries. Although, you know, not like actual fresh raspberries. Like there's nothing floating in it. I hope. So it says... Whether sneaking a sip on a breezy moonlit night or indulging in a chilled glass under the the heat of the summer sun, after every taste, expect a expect to long for more. She's spunky with a beauty worth savoring. She will delight you with laughter, then in an instant, like a juicy grape on the satisfied autumn vine, will disappear and leave only the lingering sweet memory that simply began with wine. Elegant yet sassy, Naughty Girl dances on your palate with the grace of a full-bodied red and the excitement of fresh raspberries. Layer of dark fruit and smooth tannins lead into an exquisite finish. So I feel like it's us. The, yeah. The, the, we, we leave only the lingering sweet memory that began with wine. <laughs> so remember how I was saying that I want to write a romance novel that appeared exclusively on the back of wine bottles? There is the opener. There is my protagonist because that is like a sultry Tinder profile. If I ever read one, I'm going to copy and paste that. And that's going to be my Tinder profile. You're going to have like the world's longest fucking Tinder. profile. Well, I think they cap it at a certain number of characters. So you'll just rotate it out. Yeah. You know, just like spice it up. Actually, what I'll do is I'll do an experiment and see like what descriptions attract what kinds of men. Until I get it down to a science where it's like, oh, I'm feeling like kind of a bad boy. I'm just feeling like someone who wants to cuddle up and drink hot cocoa. Because that's how Tinder works, right? You know, people just cuddle and get to know each other and definitely don't just raw dog it. Raw dog. <laughs> is that, oh is God, that what the kids I say? I is, don't that, know. is that too outdated? Yes, oh my it's God. not Netflix and chill anymore. Yeah. It's, um, oh God, I can't remember the like the rest of it. There was like a saying it's like TikTok and chill or something oh my god so you get to keep hearing my lovely voice because we're so screwed up on our wine who goes first bullshit wait we still need to cheers oh yeah what are we choosing to um cheers to spooky season because fall is my favorite season. season halloween is my favorite holiday my costume's gonna be here tomorrow i am i just got some pieces for my costume i am freaking the fuck out because i am so excited we'll talk about it after the show yes all right cheers Cheers. Ooh, spooky clink like the chains of a damned ghost 
Mm, that's this, wine. this wine is also fantastic it does have like the the body of a red but it's got that sweet tang of a raspberry i, was gonna say, I actually get the whole fresh raspberries yeah. thing now because it does kind of have that I taste i kind of want to put frozen raspberries in it that would be this really would good your, right so i've seen like wine slushies are yes! a thing and this would be the perfect wine for it oh my god it would okay curled up on a fuzzy bearskin rug. It's not like real bearskin because that stuff is really coarse. It's like one of those plush rugs mm-hmm. in front of a fireplace, sipping on some naughty girl wine smoothie, yep. slurpee, whatever That'd it is. In front of the fireplace. And then we watch, you know, spooky movies on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Mm. God, you know what I want to watch this year? I haven't seen this movie in years, even though it's become this cultural phenomenon. Hocus Pocus. That's what I was about to say. I was like, I really want to watch Hocus Pocus. I watched it all the time as a kid, even though the beginning scared the absolute I shit want to watch out of Halloween me. Halloween Town, like the first oh one. Oh my god! Or the, maybe the second one. No, but the, at first least the first one. I want to watch like both of them. The first one is really Definitely good. Definitely not one's okay. the third one. No, no, where they switch out the actress. Yep. Yeah, fuck that shit. Or was that the fourth one? Might have been the third and the fourth. No, no, it was the fourth because the first one, second one. The third one was like Halloween Town High, and then they switch out the actress for the fourth one because yeah, the then she's one, like the in the college. The third one was still really bad. It was, but you know. Anyways, it, you know what's funny? Some of the best Disney original movies were before like the Disney original movie phenomenon, where we were like, "Oh, decom, right?" Right. There was one where it was like there was this like it was this team it was a trio it was like two girls and a boy and they were like spying on their teacher because they and i can't Lindsay rem- lohan yeah and it was yeah, such a good movie that was a good movie yeah Lindsay lohan was in it but, and um were, and like, brenda were, song yeah and the girls were actually like super techie and stuff and I was, well it was yeah so they, good. they got into it because Lindsay lohan's brother is super techie and then the so they're from like you know the upper crust of new york society and then the guy that she's interested in is kind of like your average Joe, but he's going to their school on a scholarship or something. And he's also really smart. And like he, I don't know, it's almost like this sense and sensibility or no, sorry, pride, pride and, prejudice and prejudice thing where she's like judging him for being poor and she's judging him for, or he's judging her for being rich and she's judging him for like looking sloppy. And then they realize, oh, we're both like smart, cool people. Let's kiss. <laughs> I think that is actually the ending of the movie. Yeah. Anyways, I don't remember what it's called, though. Uptown Spies. Get a clue. Get a clue. That was a good movie. It was. It was such a good movie. I was deeply disappointed, though, that I couldn't just go to Radio Shack and buy all that, like, high-tech spy uh, stuff, I know, because that's what they had. They had, yeah. like, a store. Yeah, there was, it was a just spy like they store. were buying stuff, and I was like, God Dang it. What do you mean you can just buy x-ray glasses? That seems irresponsible. Right. <laughs> no, you have to get them out of cereal boxes. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Decoder ring. Yeah, j- just like those pills that make your boobies and or genitalia bigger. I don't think I need that. Actually, there's a cream for your boobies. Yep. And I remember that from an episode of The Cosby Show because Rudy was self-conscious because she was not developing like her friend. So she ordered cream. And I'm yep. like, what? That's it's a thing? It's been in another show too. Oh, I yeah. I can't think of it. Because they have sold every matter of application to make your boobs bigger. Yeah. All right. On to spooky season. Yes. So just real quick for anyone who's just jumping in, every October we cover 
badly behaved women, femme fatales and fierce females. Like, I don't know, just spooky villainesses. Yeah. And sometimes, like, this is kind of when we let our true crime flag fly as well. Yeah. In that we like covering killers. <laughs> yeah, we we we, we uh, cover a lot I, of spooky themed ladies. I, I will not cover baby or child killers. No. And I, I there's a few women that I'm like, oh, she'd be great to cover. And then I read like, who, like who she killed, and I'm like, nope, skipping that one because yeah. I, that's it's too much. There's, it is too much for this podcast. It is too much for me. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. There's one woman named Annie Dyer. Yeah. Could she have a more appropriate name? And yeah, I, she's because mm-hmm. here's the thing: we're not a true crime podcast, and uh, we want to try to have fun instead of being as bummed out as we normally get. Like, right. I, I feel like we balance very well our you know laughter and levels of being super bummed out so my story today is one of those stories that regardless of which um resource you look at like all the different like resources they're all like basically the same thing so i'm not trying to copyright or you know like steal anyone's work because they're literally all the same so you can't tell me that i'm not copying off of wikipedia (laughs) Yeah, because everyone copied off of Wikipedia. (laughs) Or Wikipedia copied someone. Dun, dun, dun. Anyways. So I'm the egg situation. I'm covering Vera Renzi, which I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing that last name wrong because it's Romanian. But that's what we're going with. Romania, come at us. Come at us, bro. (laughs) Come at us, ro. Ro. Yeah. (laughs) Anyways, so according to some accounts... One of those stories. Vera <laughs> was born in Bucharest in 1903, but in view of the dates that come from her crimes, it makes more sense that she was actually born in the late 19th century. But nobody really knows. I love that we're already we're, we're in the first <laughs> sentence, and it's already a according to family lore situation. Exactly. Um, it, this is very much this whole story is kind of an according to family lore thing, because there are very few documents that are actually verifiable supporting this. So it's one of those she may or may not exist, but I'm going with she did. So she kind of grew up in a rough life. Her mom died when she was 13, and then her father moved her to Zrezhenin in Serbia, which I changed from its original name because one, the city changed names and two, the original name for me was unpronounceable. We were actually listening to the recording online and both trying to say it. And it was embarrassing for everyone involved. Yep. So, um, when her father moved her to Serbia, like it wasn't with him because her mother and father were separated. Um, he moved her to a boarding school. Oh, he, was he basically sent like, her to soup Serbia. Yeah, he was basically like, I don't want to deal with you. Yeah. Um, by the age of 15, she had kind of become a troublesome child. She was starting to be very unmanageable. She frequently ran away um, from the boarding school and from home. She was very boy crazy. So far, you're describing every 15-year-old. Um, she had numerous boyfriends, many of whom were significantly older than she Ooh, was. Yeah. If you're 15 years old and listening to this, don't do it. No. Don't date anyone that's more than a year older than you. At 15, age, age is it more matters. than a number. It okay. <laughs> um, a lot of her early childhood friends would describe her as having an almost pathological desire for constant male companionship and possessing a highly jealous and suspicious nature. 
Is it weird that I'm immediately being like, huh, she was sent away by her father and now she's desperately seeking male approval? Daddy Kelly, issues. Kelly, um, as a mind reader, mm. what would you make of that? Oh, yeah. Do you think there might be a connection? <laughs> 100%. And I hate, I, I always hate saying like daddy issues because it's like, oh, you know, she, you know, someone being victimized by their father. It's like, oh, well, they're the weird one. It's like, no, they're no, suffering trauma. She has issues because of her father. Yeah. Um. So, so shortly before the age of 20, so we're jumping a little bit ahead, about five years. She got married for the first time to an Austrian banker named Carl Schick. <laughs> Sorry, what? Carl Schick. Oh, like the razor. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so uh, once again, this kind of followed her normal pattern. He was very much her senior. It didn't say an age, but I would assume probably 40. Also, shame on these men. <laughs> like A 15-year-old shouldn't well, be she, able she's to 20 be. at this point. Okay, but no. Uh, all right, whatever. But still even don't like, so it. like assuming he's 40, that's still double her age. 20 year olds are also still stupid. Yep. So they would go on to have a son together that they named Lorenzo. And, you know, this was very much back in the time, you know, early 19 or 20th century, the 1900s considered. Yeah. Yeah. So she was like, she was a housewife. She was left at home daily while her husband went to work banking. And she began to get really paranoid. She started thinking that her husband was being unfaithful. And soon he disappeared. He just left. And so, you know, she began telling friends and family and neighbors when they asked, like, where's your husband? You know, she was like, he clearly left me for the other woman. He abandoned me and their son. Um, and then after about approximately a year of her mourning, she said that she had heard word from her estranged husband or of her estranged husband that he had died in a car accident. So he's been missing for a year, but and then all like, of a sudden she, a letter she gets a telegram. In a car, yeah. To, hopefully it wasn't one at. of those um, singing telegrams like, sorry to tell you, but your husband estranged husband's fiery, dead. Fiery death in a car accident. No. What um, a shame. <laughs> That'll be five dollars, $5, please. Where's my tip, bitch? Yeah, right. <laughs> so shortly after hearing the news of her first bu- husband's automobile accident, Vera didn't waste much time and she got remarried, but this time to a man closer to her own age. Not that it really matters. Um, however, this relationship was also pretty rough. And Vera was once again plagued by suspicion that he was cheating and that he didn't love her and that, you know, all of those things. And after only a few months of marriage, he also vanished. vanished. So was it rough in the sense of there was abuse or was it rough in the sense that she was jealous and she couldn't. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like she had some controlling jealousy issues that we see as signs of abuse. Like that's abusive to be like, who the fuck are you talking to? Yeah. Let me see your phone. Why do you have a lock on your phone? You're not entitled to privacy. So he too vanished. And again, after about a year of his passing, she claimed to have received a letter from him saying, you know, I have no intention of coming back. I'm leaving you forever. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Um, and this would be her last marriage. She would swear off marriage, never get married again. But she wouldn't swear off men. Okay. You know, 
She just needs that man. Yeah, I was I was just about to give her some credit. Like, it's a very mature thing to understand. Like, you know what? Maybe marriage isn't for me. Like, maybe that kind of commitment and that legally binding, you know, maybe that's just not my bag. It's not for everyone. And knowing that is great. But it sounds like she doesn't get better <laughs> in her behavior. No. She just doesn't legalize it. Right? Yeah. So al- although she didn't get married, she spent the next several years carrying out a number of affairs. Some quiet and in the background with married men others openly and everyone knew about it the men would come from an array of backgrounds and social positions but all would vanish within months some within weeks and some even days with of becoming romantically involved with her when people would notice that these men that she was openly having an affair with like disappeared she would invariably tell them oh he was unfaithful and I dumped him or he abandoned me or, you know, very, oh, woe is me story. Yeah, yeah, she's she's always playing the victim. So she was finally caught after what her last lover, a bank officer named Malorad, disappeared. This was one of her more secret affairs. So his wife reported his disappearance to the police, who ignored her. Of course. Because. Yeah. You hysterical woman. Men are allowed to do whatever they want whenever they want. Exactly. She would go on to pursue it on her own and then pretty quickly find out that her husband had a mistress and that that mistress was Vera. So she would go back to the police and be like, this is what I found. You need to go talk to her. So they went. They sent two inspectors to her chateau. So she was fairly well off. You know, chateau just means house. Yeah, but I mean, she was married to a banker. Yeah. So we're just going to go with to her house. I yeah. mean, she was a woman that owned a house, so she was still probably decently well off because she wasn't working. She was doing okay. Um, She would go on to admit to them that, yes, you know, she was his lover and that they had an affair, but he, he had quit her. He was done. He was going to go back to his wife. So she, you know, she had no idea where he was. So she was known to be very, very pretty. She was wealthy. It's in my sentence. Okay. And she had a really good reputation. Like, besides the fact that her lovers kept disappearing, she was, like, well-known and well-liked, probably because she was pretty. I mean, other than being Vera of the Vanishing Boyfriends, she's great. The police, you know, were kind of charmed by her and abandoned their search again. You know, they were like, no, clearly she didn't do anything with them. Not a woman. Right. Um... So the wife just kind of kept pestering them. She would go back to the police and just start asking questions like, he hasn't come home yet. Where is he? Or where is her first husband? Like she started asking questions yeah. here. Where is her first husband? Where is her son? Nobody had seen her son in a while. Oh, no. What happened to the numerous other men that people knew were her lovers and also disappeared? Like, the wife was just kind of hounding them, not necessarily about her own husband, but about all these other men. Like, really? Like, you don't find this suspicious? You don't think it's weird that any man that floats into her orbit mysteriously vanishes? Like, it's not even just that they break up with her and then you see them, you know, at the local coffee shop the next day. It's like, they ghost ghost society. Exactly. (laughs) So the police went back to see her, only this time she denied that her Melorad was her lover, which is weird because the first time she had openly admitted it. Yeah. 
and the this time the police had proof, so they were kind of like, well, why are you denying it? Because they had found a love letter sent by Melora to Vera. So they were like, hmm. Mm. So this time they did get a search warrant. They searched her house and didn't really find anything, but then they found a locked cellar. No. It was round. So no. It was like this <laughs> round cellar. And so they would they went down there and there were 35 spaces in the wall. No. All with zinc-lined coffins inside. No. And in the middle, there was a nice red armchair, very comfy looking, a big old candle, and an empty bottle of champagne. She told the police that these were her family members and they shouldn't be disturbed, but the police insisted on opening at least one coffin. So she's saying that she has a crypt in her basement, like the family family mausoleum in her basement, and she sits in this plush red chair drinking champers and just like, hey, fam. She has that scene from Mulan where all the ancestors come out and they're like bitching at each other. party. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So they would open one of the zinc-lined coffins and they would find a decomposing body of a man. Shocker. They would then go on to open... All of the other coffins, which contained the same thing. Obviously. So, obviously, they arrested her on the spot. She confessed that she had poisoned all of them with arsenic. You know, some men just can't hold their arsenic. Exactly. When she suspected them of being unfaithful. So, basically, she got jealous. She poisoned them with arsenic. Because, you know, that's just, that's what people do. It's a great and healthy way to manage your own jealousy issues. Right. Yeah. So even if she didn't think they were unfaithful, even if they just kind of started to maybe not want to see her anymore, or they thought it was a one night stand, the ones that vanished within like a day or two, yeah, she would poison them too. Bottle of wine, arsenic. Good God. Like they're, they're just not vibing with it. Like, Hey Vera, you're hot. You're great. But like, I'm just, I'm just not feeling it. And she's like, cool, 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 cool. Have some wine. Right? Like, Oh, let's just, just one more time. Just yeah. one more romp. Yeah. Yeah. Just one more cheers to the end right. of the, your life. I mean, our relationship. She also confessed to the police that she liked to sit in that armchair and be surrounded by all of her former lov- lovers in their coffins and even her own son. No, I was hoping he was at boarding school. She had poisoned him because he had discovered this room full of coffins and started blackmailing her. And so she, you know, if you, okay, if you find someone's murder room and then proceed to blackmail them, if they offer you anything, and I literally mean anything, do not take it. Yeah. Uh, okay, here's the thing. If you find out even if someone it's your is, parent, if you find out someone's a murderer or they have a creepy secret, you never tell them I'm gonna rat you out or I'm gonna use this against you. You just be like, oh, well, I mean that makes sense. I totally get it. Yeah, no worries. You, I'm totally on your side. And then you go to the cops. But there, you hear these stories of someone being like, I'm gonna tell everyone what you did. It's like don't tell them that. No. You already know they're a psycho. Just secretly send them notes and blackmail them if you really want to. <laughs> blackmail them via Zoom. Right. <laughs> Have them Venmo you that shit. Right. <laughs> so, yes, if you're thinking back, her initial husband's car accident, unsexy finger quotes. Yeah, that was her. One mm-hmm. evening, she got real jealous, poisoned his dinner wine with arsenic, and just kind of like went about her day, waited a year, and did it again. 
She was eventually convicted of 35 murders and sentenced to death. I would say that's appropriate. I'm not pro death penalty myself, right. but I'm just going to say I'm not going to like fight them on this. Right. She's <laughs> kind of known as like the original Black Widow. Yeah. That's where that's where she got all the money from. Yeah, right. Probably. Um so at that time when she was sentenced to death, Yugoslavia didn't execute women. So she was placed on death row, condemned to life in prison. Okay. During her trial, she had started showing signs of dementia and it became worse and worse in prison to the point where she ended up, she was having conversations with her victims like they were there and screaming obscenities at the top of her lungs. She died just before the beginning of the Second World War. Um, And while some people speculated that Vera's story may have inspired the play Arsenic and Old Lace, um, most people are pretty sure it was Amy Archer Gilligan. Um that he actually used, which she did something very similar. Okay. Um, in 2005, the Discovery Channel had a three-part series called Deadly Women, and she was one of the women that they recounted her history through reenactments and commentaries from FBI agents and criminal profilers. I haven't watched it. It sounds real good. I would love to watch that, because I've never heard of her, and I love... I don't love that they exist, but I love hearing about killer women because I feel like when we hear stories about men who kill, it's kind of like the same old story. Like, right. it's it's motivated, motivated by sex or money or just like, oh, well, I want to go fuck someone else and my family's in my way. Like, I don't know. It's, it's almost like it's tragically played out where it's like, God, right. why have I heard the same story a billion times? But women who kill are less common and their motivations tend to be a lot different. You know, oh, yeah. they're, they're very money motivated. What's interesting about her is that she's totally in line with that, like, jealousy. It seems like she kind of hates men. Like, I think she has a lot of deep-rooted issues and hatred towards men, probably stemming from her father sending her off to boarding school and, like, abandoning her. But she she was never able to trust, and that was kind of her way of taking control of the situation and making sure these men never actually left her. Right. Um, she's also mentioned in an episode of warehouse 13. Oh, we were just me- yeah, referencing we were warehouse just 13 earlier today. <laughs> um, so they also, she was also on a, sh- um, featured in a series episode, which was titled obsession, which she has described as killing her victims in Romania, but it wasn't. It was in Yugoslavia, which, I mean, they're right next to each other, but still. Oh, I thought you said this thing took place in Romania. She was born in Romania. Oh, I see. I see. She is Romanian. But. But remember her father. Shit went her. down. Yep. And, okay. I see. Um, and as her motivation, the voiceover for the show says that modern analysis suggests she was simply looking for love. Oh, uh, shut the fuck up. I, I Here's the thing. I wouldn't put up I with know, that like shit for a male killer. I wouldn't, I don't put up with that for a female killer. Like, yeah, she probably wanted a companion, but that doesn't give her the excuse to kill 35 people. Yeah, like, fuck you, bitch. So as I said, um, I could only find one single source, and apparently um, a lot of this can be traced back to one single U.S. magazine. Oh, my God. Um, that published a story. And then despite a lot of extensive research in Yugoslavia, a lot of people, like, nobody has been able to find, like, original documentation or even a local source. Um, so there's a lot of people that are, like, clearly she didn't exist. Nobody was convicted. 
Um, but it is possible that such records were lost in the political turmoil from World War II and, you know, revolutions and everything that's happened between now and then. But there is, um, besides the one U.S. magazine, they have found one newspaper article, which was is Yugoslavian, that is dated May 20th, 1925, that mentions something similar that they're probably thinking was this. Okay. I, I'm saying she existed. I'm saying she's the original, if not one of the original Black Widows. Good God. Vera and the Vanishing Boyfriends. Yeah. I thought you'd I thought you'd like that one though. Can I just say though? It reminds like, me of the one the woman you covered. Yeah. Oh, um. I just like that oh she was like Oh my god. I know I can't think of it either. I just like that she was like, he had a car accident. Oh, he just left me. They all just left me. Yeah. And it took one wife. Like, Belganess. Ye- yeah. yeah. And it took one wife, like years later, to be like, guys, this doesn't add up. Can I just say though, that is also really good advice for anyone who is like trying to get answers from the police or investigators or from the criminal justice system. You need to be the squeaky wheel. You need to be the one right? that advocates. Just annoy the fucking hell out of Also, them. really quick PSA for everyone listening. That whole like, well, we can't file a missing persons report for 24 hours. That Bullshit. is not true. If they the- tell you that, you have you go, you get the phone tree going, you text all of your friends and family to call the police and report yep. whoever you're worried about missing until they fucking do something about the it. The only time they might not do it right away is if the person has a history of running away. But even then, they'll usually at least put like an APB out to be like, hey, if you see this person, like pick them up. Yeah, or like a bolo, be on the lookout. Isn't APB similar? Um, that is like you're looking for a criminal. I've been watching too many shows lately. It's an all points bulletin. Oh, okay. Never mind. I mean, usually you hear it when they're talking about criminals, but I mean, bolos are, I thought bolos were about cars. I think they can be both. Like, look out for this person. Look out for this car. I don't know. Law enforcement. Tell us. Yeah, somebody <laughs> let us know. Educate us armchair detectives. A bolo is a broadcast issued from law enforcement agency. Oh, so a bolo is from what, like sending it, you send it from one agency to another. So it's like, if you're the local cops letting the FBI know, whereas an APB is just like more of a general, like guys get on this. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. But yeah, be the squeaky wheel. Like. Harass the cops about your missing person. Like, don't actually go and like punch a cop. No, no, like... that's that's assault. That's not harassment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it says in some fields an APB may also be known as a bolo because bolo stands for be on the lookout. Yep. APB is an all points bulletin. Cool, but cool, yeah, cool. normally it's a suspect or an item of interest like a car, but yep. doesn't have to be. Goddamn Vera. Way to be just like a total bitch. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? All of our friends are listening. Uh, next time your boyfriend says you're being crazy, just be like, well, let me would tell you, you about a real bitch who was crazy. Would you like some arsenic in your wine? No. <laughs> there was actually this YouTube video I saw where this guy was bitching about his girlfriend being crazy because she like wanted to communicate or like wanted to hang out or I don't know, like normal couple stuff. She wants me to text her more. She's a fucking psycho. Yeah. And then the guy he's talking to is like, oh my God, I know. Like my girlfriend's super crazy. Like she's been collecting 
collecting my baby teeth and she made them into a shrine. I've and I think she's that. possessed by the devil. Yep. And he's like, no, no, no. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said my girlfriend is crazy. It's just something guys say when they're I'm frustrated. Sure Your girlfriend is actually I'm pretty crazy. sure that was like a, a BuzzFeed <laughs> or thing. college humor. Yeah, it was one, one of those, those two. All That's right. Hilarious. All right. Well, today I'm going to bring us back up, you know, in the way of no one dies in my story. Certainly not 37 men. 35. Whatever. Maybe I think it might have been 36. <laughs> that we know son. of. Yeah, exactly. So today who I am. Didn't she bury or who didn't she put in her mausoleum with lead lined coffins? Right. Like that. That basement can only be so big. Or not lead line, zinc line. Is there a point to zinc line coffins? Does if it help have, with the smell? If we have like a mortician <laughs> listening. Oh, I'm going to Google it too. But if we have a mortician listening, let us know like what, why a zinc lined coffin? Like why? It's so it says fun. A wooden coffin will need to be zinc lined. This means the coffin will need to be airtight or hermetic. I, that that doesn't help me. Okay, keep going. I wonder if it decreases like the decomp. Apparently zinc was also cheap and readily available and didn't rust. Oh, I bet so that the wood coffins wouldn't uh, decay. Dis- yeah, disintegrate exactly in is. the wall. Because then still, you have structural problems. If we have someone that's like a mortician, works in a funeral home, or knows more about coffins, hit us up. Just anyone who's smarter than us. That makes our pool pretty damn big like huge yeah it's not a pool at that point it's like a fucking ocean it is all the oceans it's a cold case like no other in 1888 five women were brutally murdered in a london slum attacks so violent the killer earned himself a nickname jack the ripper but everything you think you know about jack and those women is wrong On Bad Women, historian Hallie Rubenhold uncovers the real lives of Jack's victims, revealing discrimination that put them in Jack's path, misogyny women still face today. The show challenges established theories about the murders, causing many supposed Ripper experts to see red. Listen to Bad Women wherever you get your podcasts. So you know how we only cover local women for our like 50th and 100th episodes, like our milestone episodes? Mm-hmm. I'm breaking the pattern. <gasps> Why is this 115? I didn't know about it. No, this is oh, 121. Okay. But you're going to cover a local woman? But February 21st, 21 is my birthday, so yeah. it's still very special. <laughs> I mean, we've, we've covered local women at other times. Like I covered my mom. She would kind of be a local woman. I'm not counting it. That was for Mother's Day. That was a special thing. But I am uh, staying pretty close to home. We're going to St. Paul so I can yeah, cover. my home. Yeah, so I can cover Nina Clifford, <gasps> Madam in a Saintly City. I know who that is. Yeah, because we learned about her on the tour we went on last no. year with the Wabasha Street Caves. Or as Siri likes to say, Wabasha. 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 Oh my God, Siri or Google's voice. Get your really shit together. either of them pronouncing Minnesotan cities is one of like my favorite things. I feel like there should be like a subreddit of bad Siri pronunciations and Wabasha needs to be on there. So Nina Clifford, it's spelled Nina, but it is pronounced pronounced Nina. Nina. 
Nina Clifford was born Johanna Kroll on August 3rd, 1851. This whole thing is going to be in my Minnesota accent. So <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't. I can't do you it. Can't, just enunciate your O's. Yeah. <laughs> in Chatham, Ontario, in Canada. So she was born in Canada. She's commonly referred to as Hannah. Uh, and her immigrants, immigrant parents moved her, with her to Detroit, Michigan when she was an infant. And we don't know much about Nina's parents who were either German or Irish or both or something. Right. Who the hell knows? It's all made up. We do know that she married a man in Detroit named Conrad Steinbrecher, who died in 1886 for reasons. Leaving, For reasons. Yeah, I don't know. Something a killed him. Car accident. Yeah, car accident, arsenic, finger whatever. <laughs> but this left 35 year old Nina a widow. And at 35 years old, she's. In, in what? What year? 1886. So, so she I is. I mean, that makes you like a spinster, basically. She is. Well, I mean, you wouldn't be you, a spinster because she you're was married. a widower. Yeah, or you're a, a widow. widow. Sorry, widower's the Widows. male term. She a widow in the in the way mine was. No, no, <laughs> she she doesn't kill anyone as far as we know, but she did take advantage of her newly unattached status and decided to make a change and move to the burgeoning city of Saint Paul, Minnesota. So Minnesota, which had only been a state for twenty eight years at this point, must have seemed like a pretty great place to make a fresh start. They used to be called Pigs. I get into that, so shut up. (laughs) I have a whole paragraph on that, damn it. I have two paragraphs. Sorry, I jumped jumped the gun. (laughs) So not only did she change locations, but she changed her name from Johanna Steinbrecher to Nina Clifford. Don't know why she chose that. Don't, I don't know. Nina sounds kind of like Minnesotan, you know? So maybe she's like trying to fit in with the- Probably. The Scandahoovian- population. So though the settlement of St. Paul was named by a French priest in honor of the apostle by the same name, Nina may have heard it called Pig's Eye. Yes, that's right, folks. St. Paul's original name was Pig's Eye. Ain't it charming? According to family lore, Fort Snelling was established in 1819, long before Minnesota even became a territory. And you can actually still go to Fort Snelling today. I would love to go to a tour of it. But this brought with it a booming fur trading industry. So, like, people are swapping pelts and furs, and they're like, you got muskrat? I'll give you two muskrat for a raccoon. Let's do this. And amongst all of this, like, furry frolicking, a dude named Pierre Pigzai Perrant took advantage of the new commerce and began selling whiskey. So far, I'm on board. His nickname is very suspicious. I feel like it's one of those things, like, I don't know, he maybe, like, one of his eyes twitched when he was a kid and everyone started calling him Pig's Eye. And right, it just it's like stuck. one of those childhood nicknames that you just fucking can't get rid of. Yeah. But he wasn't the only one but who was like selling whiskey, but it sounds like he wasn't very well liked. They weren't calling him Pig's Eye affectionately. Like this dude was sleazy and probably kind of a dick and no one liked him. The military officials who ran the fort didn't want their men drinking, so Pig's Eye was banished from the fort. Not one to be discouraged, however... As evidenced by a man who's really like hanging on to that pig's eye nickname and still like a successful businessman, he set up his operation just a few miles away and a settlement grew, which became known as Pig's Eye after its whiskey slinging founder. 
Even though St. Paul was dubbed so in 1841, many locals still called it Pig's Eye. And allegedly, when Minnesota became a territory in 1849, they almost made the name official. But St. Paul prevailed for obvious reasons. You know, just people are probably like, you know, I don't mind calling it pig's eye, but the whole world doesn't need to know. Yeah, it's just like a local thing. That, that That's how we tell who's an outsider. Hey, what's this place called? Oh, you said St. Paul? Fuck you. Wait, you say New Prague? <laughs> fuck you. No, New Prague. If you say or New, new Prague, Prague yeah, right. fuck new you. Prague new is Prague is correct. <laughs> um, Minnetonka. What's the other one? So Minnehaha. Minnehaha. Mini, <laughs> that's always what I think of. Like we're oh all laughing. God, I love By you. the way, uh, a little local news: there's a new middle school being built in our city, and they're calling it Dakota. D- Dakota after to honor the Dakota people. Yeah, the indigenous peoples, and people are kind of throwing a fit about it. It's like, except oh, for the Dakota people who are like, "Thank you, this is fucking amazing." Well, they're like, "Hey, we we need to do more, but this is cool." Here's the thing, though. It, people are like, that's so stupid to name a school after like, indi- you know, using indigenous language. I'm like, I'm sorry. Do you know what our state is called? Do you know what half our cities are called? Um, do you know what Owatana? half the states are did, called? Did you know Owatana is actually supposed to be pronounced Owatana? Oh, shit. Because it's it's an indigenous word. That is amazing. And I have been screwing it up forever. And they found that out like recently. But yeah, like name a city it's probably an indigenous word name a state it's probably indigenous like after you get it once you get far west enough away from the new england states then it's all like indigenous words yeah because that's who we kicked out of these states yeah yeah we we were like hey what do you call we, this place that sounds cool i'm doing kick it them out of minnesota we still have quite a few indigenous populations we just restricted them to certain areas which is still the yeah terrible. we i mean we just kind of did everything we could to decimate their culture and their populations and force them to assimilate while keeping them subservient yay for more minnesota history for more listen to episode 39 which we mentioned at the top of this episode to hear about zikala shah and how she had her culture stripped away from her and was like fuck that shit isn't we've covered other women but i can't remember the episode numbers doesn't minnesota actually mean like river i have no idea i think it does because there's a joke that we named the minnesota river 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 because it (laughs) or something like that anyway back to nina when she arrived in St. Paul in 1887, she purchased two building lots on Washington Street along the Mississippi River. And this was during a time when you didn't have to be a cajillionaire to buy property along the Mississippi in a large city. And she had a lovely view as her land was across from the city morgue and the police station. Honestly, like, that would be really cool. Like, you're the first person there when there's trouble and you just, like, get to people watch the morgue. Yes, Kelly. So we named our state after what the Dakota called that river which is Minnesota, and it means cloudy, muddy water. Oh, okay. So we basically <laughs> named our river. Our state. Wa- our, no, we named the Minnesota River Water River. Yeah. Essentially. Cloudy, muddy river, river. <laughs> cloudy, so, yeah, muddy water, river. <laughs> cloudy, muddy water or sky-tinted water. I like sky-tinted water better. Uh, When we're referring to the name of our state, I prefer like, oh, this state is sky-tinted versus this is a cloudy, muddy state. Sometimes. I don't care how true that might be. I refuse to acknowledge it. 
So for our reference, and for anyone else who's familiar with St. Paul's reference, Washington Street is just down the river from the Minnesota Science Museum and not too far from where the Wabasha, or as Siri likes to say, Wabasha, street caves are. It's also just across from Kelly's Landing on Harriet Island, which I was like looking on the map. I was like, oh my God, it's actually spelled K-E-L-L-E-Y. I know it's spelled right. <laughs> but but it's, we were driving around that area yep, when we went to the, the cities last it's year. because the spelling of my, the way I spell my name with the E-Y, the way I was, you know, given by my mother is traditionally a last name. Yep. Now you may be asking, what does a single woman woman Need with two buildings on picturesque riverfront property. Well, Nina lived in one of these buildings, number 145, and the other, number 147, she naturally turned into a brothel. I was totally kidding. <laughs> I mean, like, I know we heard her story, but I kind of forgot. Because it's been a year and we heard a bunch of stories that night. It was likely this new business venture that precipitated her name change. She's probably like, oh, I don't want anyone like tracing back like my origins or my family. And like, honestly, when you're going to start a brothel, that's the time to change your name. No one needs to track down my mom and be like, your little girl runs a brothel up there in Minnesota. Did you hear? Oh, Did my you know? goodness. So though there were some snazzy condos, or, sorry. So there, though there are present tense, some snazzy condos and apartments on Washington Street today. During Nina's time, it was known as St. Paul's Red Light District. Nina was ready to capitalize on this, but she didn't just want to run a brothel. She wanted to run the Neiman Marcus of brothels. If you don't recognize that name, you're probably like me and too poor to know what Neiman Marcus is because it's fancy. Her brothel boasted plush furnishings and marble fireplaces. Patrons sipped mum's champagne under crystal chandeliers while being waited on by servants and enjoying live music. Did it have some red arm chairs? I bet it 100% <laughs> did. It absolutely oh, did. God. Everyone's sitting in red armchairs in front of the fireplace with a bearskin rug, but it's like really plush. With some real good wine. Naughty girl wine. Yes. Absolutely. They exclusively carried mum champagne and naughty girl wine. God, mum champagne. Like, I can't, in my mind, I can't decide if that sounds delicious or disgusting. So I looked it up and mum champagne, like I'd never heard of it. And I was like, well, how fancy is this? Real fancy? Um, I saw a bottle uh, that was $42 and that was a cheap bottle. And I was like, oh, that's why I don't recognize the brand because so, I'm too broke. Okay, so mum is the brand. Yeah, M-U-M-M. Okay, I yeah. thought it was like made from mum's the flower. And I was like, I'm not sure how that would taste. No, it's like mum's possessive. Yeah, because it was made by G.H. Mum. Yeah. At, at sea, which uh, right away, you know, it's fancy. So while the brothel itself was glamorous, it didn't mean things were great for the women who worked there. Nina. While the women who, while the women did make like nine to 10 times, nine to 10 times more, say that five times fast. Don't, don't prove me wrong. Uh, than the average working woman. When the brothel's foundation was excavated in 1998, the archaeologists concluded that the conditions the women worked in were, like, unsanitary and harsh, which I'm like, yeah, this is, you know, the late 1800s, early 1900s. You're a sex worker. Things aren't super clean nowadays. Like, I don't expect it to be great, but she put on this, like, very posh front for the clients. Sure, yeah. But, yeah, it's... But you're making bank like these women. There's a reason they're doing this because they're making nine to ten, ten, ten ton. Jesus Christ. They're making they're a making fuck bank. ton more <laughs> than they would in like any other 
profession. Poop. What is wrong with me? This naughty girl wine is wrecking my life. So during a time when it was common for sex workers to operate as cigar stores or act as dressmakers, Nina, on the other hand, was loud and proud about her establishment. And it kind of reminded me of the way that we view massage parlors nowadays, where it's like, oh, yeah, I went to the wink, wink, nudge, nudge massage parlor and got a happy ending. Even though I feel like most of those places are actually full of sex trafficking victims. Yeah. Like it's not I feel like cute. there's a lot of yeah. victims. But it was kind of that whole like the front of a respectable business while there's sex work going on. Ew. But Nina was like, no, this is a brothel. Tell your friends, tell everyone, get your asses in here. So the brothel's opulent atmosphere attracted wealthy patrons, particularly from the Minnesota Club, a hoity-toity social club for the elite. I've never been there. I've seen it. This building was replaced by what is now the St. Paul City Hall and Courthouse. Mm -hmm. I believe, like, I, I, I did some Google map looking, so I think this is correct. Also, did you know that people actually left reviews for the city of St. Paul on the city hall's, like, Google page? No. Yeah. That's hilarious, though. My favorite, I wrote down, it's two stars, and it reads, awkward city with awkward people. Not planning on coming back. Was expecting more. (laughs) This dude definitely got trapped in a Minnesota goodbye and did not know how to handle it. He's like, like, I've been trying to leave this place for 30 minutes. You guys are so awkward trapping me here. Um, So we have a friend... From Maryland, and by we I mean me and my husband. Emily's never met the person. He's because he's also a coworker of mine. And yeah, like one of the first times he used to come for game night, and like every single time we'd be like having a normal Minnesota goodbye, where like me and my husband would be standing on the stairs, everyone else is in the entryway, like getting their shit together, and then like 20 minutes later we're still there. And he would always just like very slowly start like inching toward the door and I'd always have to be like you can leave it's fine sometimes and he's when, like yeah I'm still not used to this like it's weird sometimes when I'm really tired and it's like okay this minute so goodbye has gone on long enough I literally just start walking away and the other person will keep talking and I'm just like yep totally cool yep totally Bye-bye. get you see ya love ya love ya love ya I'm I'm literally getting in my car right now Bye. <laughs> you have to physically remove yourself from the situation <laughs> to yeah, get it's out kind of funny like it's terrible but it's funny so allegedly there were tunnels running from the minnesota club directly to nina's brothel so that these fine gentlemen could partake in kind of pleasures without shame i mean there are a bunch of like tunnels under the city i've seen them they're really cool uh but i can't tell you if there's ones running there well i can as much as i want this to be true it wasn't because in 1997 when they excavated the site for the science museum they found no tunnels yeah i know i'm a little sad i'm like how cool would that be if they had nina clifford's tunnels like attached to the science museum and like they preserve them there are tunnels running from like I don't remember if it touches the history museum, but between like the Capitol and the cathedral mm-hmm. and then to the, the plumbers union, because that's where my dad worked. And so that's where we would like, it was really cool. That's amazing. So Nina was killing it. 
By 1895, she employed 11 sex workers, and by the 1920s, she installed two phone lines, which were still only available to the well-off. Like, that was a status symbol. Wow. And then also, like, you know, she's catering to these, like, powerful, important men. They gotta make fucking phone calls. And she's like, hey, you Right, that mayor needs to be on the horn, man. Exactly. Ever the glamorous woman, Nina was known to accept diamonds as payment and reportedly had a hoard of uncut diamonds. Like, <laughs> she just throws them in the box like, I got another one. That guy didn't have cash on him. The AT, He maxed out the ATM, and so he just gave me a diamond. I mean, I guess his diamonds are better than, like, you sometimes hear about, like, really old um, brothels where they'd be like, here's a chicken, and, like... <laughs> I, I get that from the movie The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. We should watch that movie. It's such a good movie. Everyone needs to watch it. It's Dolly Parton and Burt Reynolds, and it's fucking amazing. You had me at Dolly Parton and kept me with Burt Reynolds. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) So I know what you're wondering, Kelly, my dear friend. How did Nina operate an illegal business that catered to society's elite without getting busted? She didn't. Because she catered. Oh, I thought it was going to be one of those things that she catered to society's elite. So like anytime she got in trouble, they were just like, nah. So Nina was no stranger to appearing in court where she would be fined constantly. She chalked this up to a licensing fee and would also regularly bribe the police. So like every time she got called into court, she's like, Yep, yep. Uh, I gotta be somewhere. Can I just write you a check and get the hell out of here? Like, I here's a diamond. Yeah, like we're good, right? Keep the change. You know, just just save it for next time. Put it on my tab. Yeah, put it on my tab, honey. But in the 1900s, things got even better for Nina. So the city police chief, John J. O'Connor, established the O'Connor Layover Agreement, which proclaimed that criminals could hang out in the city without getting hassled as long as they didn't commit crimes within the city itself. This is one of the reasons that St. Paul became a haven for big name gangsters like John Dillinger and Machine Gun Kelly. Like, we were the mobster capital for a while. Not like the current rapper or whatever the singer machine gun kelly not him no. we mean like the original i didn't even know there was a rapper named machine gun kelly i don't know if he's a rapper he doesn't exist in my in my sphere so i only know because like he did something weird on the red carpet and so like my google has been like randomly being like nah. i don't yeah, care he's a rapper him. he's a white rapper i don't care about him but we're talking we're not talking about him we're talking about like the original gangster machine gun kelly og bitch But it also protected Nina as the agreement didn't include gambling, alcohol sales, and sex work. So basically, all these like high and powerful mobsters and criminals can come chill out in St. Paul as long as they basically don't cause any trouble. Mm -hmm. And and St. Paul just like be super chill about it. They're not going to turn them in. They're not going to report on them. They're not going to hassle them. But then Nina also like... Sex work is not illegal. Like, well, I think it still was, but this agreement didn't include gambling. So basically she was able to reside in St. Paul and she could do, she could have her brothel because it wasn't counted as one of the crimes that could get you in trouble. Ah, you gotta love loopholes. So by the way, this blew my mind. This agreement lasted for nearly 40 
four zero years. 40 years. So it popped up in the early 1900s and lasted for 40 years. We were in World War II. Like, that was going on, and this agreement was still on the books. It only ended when corruption led to local citizens and federal and the federal government to shut that shit down. Like, it just got way out of hand, and like, guys, you can't just let criminals come and hang out here. Like... Right, like, guys, <laughs> this is not okay. Yeah. Unfortunately for Nina, bribing, bribing police, something that she did all the fucking time, wasn't allowed under the O'Connor layover agreement. And she got wrapped up in a corruption case against the former police chief and a detective. But Nina, ever the survivor and ever the savvy businesswoman, evaded charges by testifying for the prosecution. So she basically got off of bribing cops by saying, yeah, I totally bribe those dudes. I bribe them all the time. Can I go now? That's funny. And it kind of makes sense because like, this is the former police chief and a detective, men who have like sworn to uphold the law. Who are breaking the law. And everyone's like, well, we know Nina's breaking the law. Like, we all the already time. know she is. We know what she's doing. We know who and what she is. Like, but you guys are supposed to be better than that. <laughs> oh my God. That's super funny. So Nina had grown from an anonymous widow to the quote, richest woman in the underworld, as she was called. I like that. She was credited with having, quote, business shrewdness above the average. But also, I feel like she had a lot of guts. So she's like, I I, I don't know why, but I'm just picturing her living this super like mellow vanilla life. And then her husband dies and she's like, okay, let's do this shit. I, I feel like there's no way she went from like super normal life to brothel owner. That, you know, with like no transition, no previous experience or exposure. Right. But I'm like, I just she was so gutsy. Nina was a hashtag lady boss, but she also lady enjoyed boss. the finer things in life. She purchased a property in her home state of Michigan, a sweet vacation home on Lake Michigan, perhaps another brothel. Up in the UP. Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> Someone out there knows. Someone out there is living in that house. Probably. If that's not like on the historic registry, get that, yeah, get on like, that shit. Someone needs to get on that shit. Michigan. Come on, the, you, you guys legalized cannabis recreationally. That was amazing. Now let's protect Nina's land. <laughs> so Nina successfully ran her brothel until July 14th, 1929, when she died of a stroke at 78 years old. Wow. Unfortunately for us, we can't visit her grave locally. She died Aww. in Detroit while visiting family and was buried in Mount Elliott Cemetery in Detroit. That's interesting because sometimes they'll like, send your body home but i guess if her family was there yeah. it makes sense that because there's a good chance if her family was there she might have been buried there regardless yeah but you know now we just have another excuse to visit michigan yeah other than you know the previous one that i alluded to in 1937 nina's infamous brothel was demolished but not all was lost the chandelier under which wealthy patrons drank champagne was rescued and hung in the mayor's office. I've been in the mayor's office. Soups it's pretty amazing. Ropes. You've probably seen that chandelier. Yeah, that's super exciting. Like, can you like and everyone knows where the chandelier came from. The mayor's like, hang that shit up above my desk. Right. <laughs> so, He's like, let everyone know. Yeah, like this chandelier's fancy as shit. She made it out of all those excess diamonds that people were paying her with. Like <laughs> so Nina's legacy also lived in 
lived on at the Minnesota Club, which named one of their billiard rooms after her. Mm. They also mounted a brick from the brothel with a sign that read, quote, this brick from Nina Clifford's house is presented to the gentlemen of the Minnesota Club for their great interest in historic buildings. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. Sure. Interest <laughs> in historic buildings. Yeah, we all know what that's code for, you pervs. <laughs> Nina was also immortalized in the 1980s with the play-turned-musical titled oh. Nina, Madam to a Saintly City. And it actually that, sounds like I would I would watch. Listen, I also want to watch, watch that. Listen, whatever. It's probably not produced anymore. But that is the <laughs> Dear story. Broadway producers yes. that we kind of know now. <laughs> I was gonna say we know next thing. They're into women led stories. This is a woman led story. Let's make this happen. That would actually be really Abigail, cool. Jennifer, what's up? <laughs> How much are the rights to this? play can we revive it can we get on can we revive it we're doing a revival can we be background characters yeah can we just like you know walk around like pumping our arms like minnesota good Good day oh let me let me let me slide on past you there oh yeah yeah we're gonna be background characters that are like trying to get around you like and we're just going oh 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 and we'll be called the ope girls yeah (laughs) also the name of our new minnesota girl band the ope girls oh but yeah, that is the story of Nina Clifford, Madam in a Saintly City. Good. I went like really dark and then you kind of brought it up. Thank God. <laughs> I mean, we were all fine. We yeah. Didn't, we didn't marry her. Yeah. No, it's it's fine. She's, she's dead now. Yeah. No, shush, shush, honey, it's fine. She's dead now. It's she's fine. dead. It's okay. <laughs> she's dead. She's dead. She's a ghost now. What? No. <laughs> that's worse. You went in the opposite direction. Right? That's not oh, comforting. that's funny. So, Emily. Ooh. What are you thankful for? Shit. Okay. I actually have three things I am oh, thankful for. Are you sure you don't want to save any? No. I'm going to blow my load right now because Nina Clifford has given me the confidence to go big or go home <laughs> to oh. Michigan. Um, my first you're thing. You're not from Michigan. You're from Illinois. Okay, then I'll go. Cannabis is legal there too. I'll go back to Illinois. <laughs> but the first thing I'm thankful for is uh, the Olmsted County Historical Society had this cemetery walk at Oakwood Cemetery. Yeah, how was that? It was amazing. So I did it once before a few years ago with my dad, and they had actors portraying every person like at the graves that we visited. And like this the actor would be like, I'm so and so and here's my story. And they had how a many few graves are there? Like a hand I don't know. Oh, okay. Oh that's true. I I'm thinking of Corey Hill. Where no, there's like a shit no, ton. No. But well, yeah, there's can't... a shit ton at Oakwood, but you don't go to all of them. Yeah, exactly. They just have like little stations, quote unquote. Yeah. So uh, this one did something similar, but they only had three or four reenactors. It was still it's really COVID. cool, though. Yeah, <laughs> it was still it was really cool. And I took my parents. I had originally invited my dad because he'd gone with me in the past. Which and I love. And he was like, oh, well, that's actually our wedding anniversary. I was like, well, happy anniversary that I definitely should know by now because I'm 30 years old. I'll buy your tickets and that'll be my present to you. So our tour group was very small and it's all outside. It was me, my parents, the tour guide and this like elderly woman. She looked like a tiny granny. Honest to God, she was darling. And we're going through and we're learning about all these people. And we go to the to an area of the cemetery, which is terribly named it's called the baby garden oh and why because that's Who where all the babies ch- I, are no, buried I, 
But why yeah. would you pick garden? Why would you say baby? Garden is fine, but don't say baby garden. Yeah, don't put those two words together. There's actually they, there's another section that's, that there's another section that they needs have to get fired. That's the same thing, but they named that the Serenity Garden. Yeah, because they realized their first name was terrible. Here's the really tragic thing, though the the elderly woman that we were with. She has a daughter buried there. Mm. And the tour guide in is in the baby garden? Yeah. And the tour guide is like telling us mm. about like this is what this is. And it was really it was sweet though, because this area of the cemetery, you could tell like every single grave was very well maintained. It had oh, new flowers and like windmill. Like you could tell people visited these graves very often, took very good care of them. And I definitely did not start bitch crying when the tour was like moving on and this woman went over to clear some leaves off of her daughter's grave. I would have fucking bitch cried. Yeah, and I kind of hung behind because I'm like, I feel like we shouldn't walk away from this woman who's literally visiting her daughter's grave, her baby daughter's grave on our tour. And I I was just like, oh, you know, what's your daughter's name? That's a really beautiful name. And, you know, just I'm like, I'm awkward. I don't know what to say. But it was it was a really cool tour. That was also just a really powerful moment. The second thing I'm very thankful for is Jared's youngest niece, Stella. It was her first birthday. So I I remember that. Yeah. So I got her. uh, They requested books instead of cards. And whenever I I love that, whenever I give the girls a book, I always write a really long message like about how much we love them and how great they are and this and that. And the book that I got her was called um, it was like Purple People or How to Be a Purple Person. And basically, it's, it's this a little girl. Wide one horn flying purple people. No, here. it wasn't that. Please tell me like I'm not crazy. No, no, no. no. Okay. That, that's a song. That's not what the, the book is about. I know, but that's what it makes me think of. It's about a little girl and her favorite color is purple. So she's like, I want to be a purple person. Aww. And she goes around to all the like adults in her life, like her parents, her grandparents, her teachers. And she's like, what does it mean to be a purple person? And they all tell her like, well, being a purple person is asking questions. It's using your voice. It's working. Working hard, like they're all passing on these good virtues of being a person. And the end of the book also says, like, anyone can be a purple person, and like purple people come in all different shapes. And like, it's it's this like really sweet message. Also, it was written by Kristen Bell. So okay, <laughs> side note has nothing to do with anything. Um, Kristen Bell and Dax Shepard, who's her husband, who's like couple goals, they host um like a game show, and it's on Hulu. And it's called Family Game Fight. And it is hilarious and everyone should go and watch it. Okay. There are a couple I really hope don't implode. I want to keep liking them. You should watch it. You'd you'd enjoy it. We'll watch it sometime. It's dumb and stupid and it's funny. I usually don't buy children's books written by celebrities. And God knows there's a whole section of them. But Go the fuck to sleep. I I fell in love with the book and then I read who it was written by. I was like, "Ah, I, I like Kristen Bell. It's fine. But it was nice like seeing her... She's crawling. Oh, she looks she's like little so people. Big. Yeah, I love her so much. I know she. It was so cute because she had her little smash cake and she took one finger she, and she kind of like touched it suspiciously and then put her finger in her mouth and she was like, "Oh damn!" And then she started like scooping the frosting up with her finger, but she did it so gently, like just one finger, just one finger. It's fine. The third and final thing I am thankful for, I am in the final stages of remodeling my upstairs. One of the stages is putting in baseboard. And my dad was kind enough to come over and help me do that because I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And he's going to come over tomorrow and we're going to keep working at it. But I don't know. It's, it's, I'm so thankful that he's 
willing and able to help me with that. And it's nice to spend that time with him and chat. And, you know, I also, (laughs) I was hearing about some like poorly behaved people. And I was like, by the way, dad, thanks for raising me to not be an asshole. (laughs) And it's funny. He was telling me that like, I was a difficult child to raise, but when I was out in public, I was very well behaved. And he was always just like, why do you keep sending the evil twin home? And I'm like, well, if it all paid off, your, your work was for, was uh, not for not, (laughs) not for not, (laughs) not for not. But yeah, I'm, I got a lot of stuff to be thankful for this week. And then next week I will have nothing. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You'll be like, uh, and I'll be like, see, I told you. Then you will have three things to be thankful for. I have two. Ooh. Um, I mean, I have three, like, I'm, I'm really thankful for like, we've had at least one person reach out to us recently. Like, and I, I absolutely love hearing from our listeners. Like it makes me happy fuzzy inside. What's up, Amanda? Um, and then second, um, I'm really thankful. I know I've said it before, but I'm really thankful for my husband and just him being so supportive because I've been just meh like my mental health has not been good but you know I'm the type of person that I'm like I'm in school I'm in work you know I have this podcast luckily this podcast is kind of like a bright spot in the rest of it um but you know I'm very much like I'm running myself ragged and I know it luckily two of my classes are done in two weeks so I'll have only two classes and it'll be a little bit better but I'm running myself ragged and like my husband last night I was like folding laundry and he after work and he came up and he was just like we were talking and he was like what's wrong and I'm like nothing's wrong and he's like no something's wrong and I'm like no like nothing's wrong don't you tell me something's wrong well and he wasn't trying to do that he was <laughs> yeah. just trying to figure out like how he could help and I was like he's like you're sad like you're upset I'm like yeah I'm sad I'm depressed but nothing's wrong oh yep And he was really, really sweet. And he's just like, okay, what do you need? You know, he's like, what do you need? And I was like, well, I can't find my one pills. And he's like, okay, you, you know, like you sit on the bed. So you're out of the way. And he's like, I will find them for you. And he did. They were in the middle, like they were under the, because I had thrown them on the bed and then they must've gotten knocked off. And then they were like under the gravity's such a bitch. But like, he was super supportive. And I told him, I'm like, I really, you know, like I'm just having a hard time processing everything. Like, I just need a break. And he's just like, you know, if you don't want to go to class, because that's essentially what I was kind of saying without saying it, is, you know, he's like, he's like, that's fine. He's like, just know, you know, you got to know the consequences. And he wasn't trying to be mean about it. Yeah, but it's like, you know, make the decision that's the best for you while knowing the consequences of every decision. Exactly. Yeah. And it just really helped, like, just knowing that I have him there to support me and, you know, having him just be like, you know, whatever you need. It was just really nice. And then lastly, um, I want to say hi to our newest listener. I guess I don't know. She might be starting from the beginning and this will be like a year and a half in. She's like, <laughs> the fuck? Um, her name's Heather. She's one of my coworkers and I just met her today and she was awesome. So hi, Heather. Hi, Heather. Oh my God. This is going to be like, 
a deep Easter egg. Like she has to listen through all everything and to the very end of this episode. Oh, and I'm also thankful for, I went and got tattoos the other day. The, the place I usually get tattoos had like a flash sale. Oh yeah. And I met some absolutely amazing people in line and like, they were great to hang out with for several basically all day. I was going to say, thank God because you were in line from 10 AM to like seven at night. (laughs) It's fine. Um, my tattoos are wonderful, but no, and it was, like it reminded me like back in high school when I would go to concerts and I'd wait in line for like only an hour or two and I'd meet really cool people because generally when you wait in line for those kind of things, it's with like-minded people. Yeah. But I'm really sad because I didn't get like any of their Facebooks or Instagrams or anything. I did tell a few of them about our podcast. So we reach need, out to me, but we like need they to were carry so stickers cool. with us to like pass out I to was people. thinking about that because I was talking about my podcast and they're like, oh, what's the name? No, like learning about history, no H. And I'm like, I literally said to Katie, I was like, I need a business card or a sticker or something. Yeah, we need to like pack stickers or coasters or something on us at all times. Oh, and I'm also really thankful we're like a legit business now. Yay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're an official business. Like we also have a P.O. box now, but you have to be a patron to get that address. Yes. For now. We'll see. Maybe we'll be nice and release it to people, but probably not. We've yeah. also been thinking about doing a discord, which... If you're interested in that kind of thing, let us know. Because obviously we don't want to start a Discord that only has like five people. So. See, I was going to say two people, which are us. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I'll no, do we one know, with five people. We know people. Marissa would do it. So oh, we have yeah. at least three. Okay. All right. But we love you. We do. Yeah. And thank you so much for all the support. Thank you so much for listening. We've loved hearing from our newer listeners. We've loved reading your reviews. We love you so much. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of Whining About Herstory. Please like us on Facebook at Whining About Herstory, Instagram at WAH Pod, Twitter at WAH underscore pod. Our website is whiningaboutherstory.com and our email is whiningaboutherstory at gmail.com. Like we said, we'd love to hear from you. We also have a Patreon where you can donate for as little as $1. $1! To get extra content. And, you know, if you donate a little more than $1, you can also get some, like, discount on merch. We got some new merch coming. We're switching who we sell our merch through, and I'm guessing that'll be in the next week or so. Yes. Yeah. And we have been cranking out designs, y'all. I'm and so I'm, excited. I'm actually very proud. There, There's one in particular that Mama Meg is going to love plots over i hope so i hope yeah like you know it's like a yiddish thing it is but neither of us are jewish and i don't think she is either it's fine it's i don't know it's like the only word that i can Mm -hmm. think of that properly describes how i hope she feels i hope she likes it she's not just like how dare you i don't know i I hope uh someone else that listens with her likes it yes yes anyways uh rate us five stars wherever you listen And as always, I'm Emily. I'm Kelly. And have an empowered day. Bye. Bye. See, we should be on Broadway. Yeah.